she's fabulous, Taylor Swift, isn't she? Yeah. You can't not admire. I mean, you don't have to love her music. You just it's clever, you know, right? Yeah, phenomenon. Yeah, absolute phenomenon. Yeah, She'll be sad one. though if Travis's team are losing because he'll he'll be sad. Yes, and a bit poorer. Well, yeah, we'll just we'll leave that there. We'll leave that there and head to another scenario where there is sadness, I'm sure. Also, deep frustration. Tauranga, the city council this morning, asking drivers to stay off the roads today and tomorrow, urging people to work from home instead. The council has said they were expecting major delays with the unexpected closure of a section of State Highway 29A, which is caused by a now four-metre-deep cavity. Tauranga is New Zealand's fifth largest city and its traffic woes have been well documented. Joining us now, Nigel Tutt, who is the CEO of Priority One, the Western Bay of Plenty's Economic Development Agency, and also the chair of the Western BOP Infrastructure Forum. Kia ora, Nigel. Urging people to stay home, pretty disruptive. Uh, yeah, yeah, quite disruptive. Essentially what's happened is there's two roads that are uh, out of action at the moment. So Totara Street, which is right next to the Port of Tauranga, uh, and then that's in the middle of, of the city, and then the, the road on the outside is shut as well. So traffic really has nowhere to go. And are you in Tauranga at the moment? Yes, yes, I am. I, uh, I scooted into work this morning. So how, how did you get on with telling those huge container trucks that mm. uh, come in and out of the Port of Tauranga? How did you get on with telling them to stay home? Um, yeah, well, I guess that's the problem with, with Tauranga is uh, it's, it's relatively easy for commuters to stay home, but most of our workforce is made up of uh, distribution logistics companies, healthcare, um, construction and, and industries like that. So it's not, not very easy for them to find a, a way to avoid it. So they don't? They don't, yeah. No, they just, just queue up along Hewlett's Road. Let's talk about the impact on local businesses. What's the story been like today? What have you been hearing, uh, Nigel? Uh, oh, I actually went out and had a little bit of a look before. Uh, it doesn't look too bad. I think a lot of people have taken the advice to stay at home and have. So that means the city's a little quiet, but the roads appear to be not too bad. Um, but more importantly, it's, I guess it's a symptom of... Uh, some pretty rapid growth here and, and lack of investment in, in the transport network. So little things tend to become quite big, unfortunately. Uh, Nigel, you could bring back Carlos Days. Remember <laughs> Carlos those? Days, yeah. yeah, I was yeah. about eight and we had Carlos <laughs> Days yeah. in Wellington. Remember those, gosh. <laughs> yeah, you remember yeah, those? Yeah, I do, yeah. That, would that help in Tauranga? Well, it's good unless you're a plumber or you need to get logs to the portal or something like that, I guess. I mean, Nigel, I, I read a... Um, uh, I think it was in the Herald over the weekend that there was uh, an engineering company who said, you know, they now go to Auckland to get supplies rather than going down the road and telling it because it can take two or three hours to do that. I mean, you know, the economic cost to this, you know, what do you reckon? Big? Oh, you know, it must be huge. It's huge. So, yeah, so what you typically get from, from companies here, so say distribution companies, they just say, well, look, we just have to buy more trucks and hire more drivers. So that means the cost of getting goods from, from A to B uh, expands quite a lot. And, and bearing in mind that it's a, it's a, um, I guess it's a congestion or lack of productivity cost here, but um, 44% of New Zealand's exports go out through the Port of Tauranga mm. as well. So it's a cost to New Zealand as well. But if the road's shut, how does having more trucks help? 
Um, well, more traffic will never help anything, but the, the cold reality is the country's growing and as a, an island nation, we're quite dependent on ports. So there'll always be a lot of traffic in and around the port and that, that really needs to be well served by, by good infrastructure. So, Nigel, at the moment, what figure is being put on the impact of these poor roads, of Tauranga's rubbish traffic situation? What figure is being put on that, um, on the impact of that on the local economy? Oh, it's really tough to tell uh, in terms of GDP impact, but, but consider that the GDP of, of this region is around about $12 billion a year. So, so to reduce... Our GDP by say half or something like that would be, I mean, over a ten-year period, would be I mean, multi billions of dollars. Mm. So what's needed? GDP growth yeah, what sort of what's needed in terms of investment? How much money's needed to get this roading network sorted out? Uh, again, in the billions. So uh, the main roads that that you'd think about in terms of the ones that need upgrading are Hewlett's Hull Totara, so the bit around the port. Uh, State Highway 29, which is the part that comes down from the Kaimais and into Tauranga. Uh, and then the northern link, which goes up to uh, Waihe, essentially. So, gee, uh, those three roads would be in the order of four and a half to five billion, I would imagine. We talked before about the, um, men- you know, the mental health side effects of Cyclone Gabriel. I mean, there must be some serious mental health side effects in what's going on with these roads, with the people just sitting in cars and, you know, three roads in, three roads out, and you're not going anywhere. You'd just be climbing the yeah. walls. Yeah, I guess it worries us because... Um, I mean, we're a popular place for people to move to, so mm. we get more and more people here every year. But you don't want that disrupting the quality of life of people here, and, and that's kind of the reason why you move to Tauranga as well. I mean, it's a beautiful day here at the moment. Mm. People will be keen to get to the beach, right? But if it's going to take you an hour to get to the beach, then it diminishes our attractiveness as a, as a place for people to work in, which is, which is never good for an economy. No, mm-hmm. it's beyond less than ideal. Nigel, what's the story for tomorrow? What's the forecast? People can drive again? Is the hole being fixed or is it another day? Yeah, I know. I believe we've got pretty good news there. So I think that the t- as far as I've seen in terms of press releases, which have just come out in the last hour, uh, Totara Street sounds like it's going to be finished at 4am tomorrow morning. So that's, that's awesome. Uh, and then the State Highway 29, the one with a hole in it, uh, that sounds like they've got some repairs there, and it, it won't be uh, at full speed, but they'll be able to get cars through. So that's, that's excellent news because it means uh, the whole city won't be clogged tomorrow and, and people can go back to, to relative normality. Not clogged, well, no more than usual, put it that way. <laughs> Nothing yeah, extra. No yeah. I guess, I mean, and the other thing is, is this, has this road been fixed or is this just sort of like a Band-Aid solution over the top of it to get the traffic moving again? Because that also seems to be something that we do quite well. And I'll tell you, always, you know, we're, we're constantly going, we'll just, we'll just fix it up to get it going again. We never actually go, look, let's just fix the damn problem once and for all. Yeah, you'd, uh, rather, you'd rather it was like, fixed, right? Yeah, it sounds like the one with the hole, they've kind of fixed 80% of it, and then they're, they're just waiting to, to get the kind of top seal on it. But mm. more broadly, we'd always have problems like that, so that road needs to be double the size that it is now to, to be able to fit all the traffic through. So. Mm. And part of the challenge is a bit like Auckland, right? You get one road, um, have an accident or, or yeah, right. repairs, and then that, that kind of means you're going to stick around, and it, there's just not the capacity to do that. And there we have it. We'll leave that there, Nigel, but good speaking with you. Thanks, Nigel. Thanks. When was the last time either of you were in Tauranga? Uh, not that long ago, only a few months ago, actually. Yeah, yeah I was uh, there about five weeks ago. 
Yeah. But I mean, I live in Caracas and I drive from Caracas to Auckland City. So one thing goes wrong on the motorway oh. and your 40 minute drive is two hours. Just one goat and you're one over. Goat. <laughs> one goat. I've got a couple of texts to share. Potluck dinners, no. What a cop out. If you invite people for dinner, cook and host them. Otherwise, don't bother. Who wants other people's food at your dinner party? Just saying. I'm sure Martin would agree. There's an element of that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And on the subject yeah. of dating sites, I don't want you to feel left out, Cindy. My problem with dating sites is that I will be matched within my age group. My last lover of many years was more than 20 years my junior, and we were compatible in every way except he had responsibilities that could not include me. Show off. Well, we have quite a rigorous approach to matching values. Uh, it's not just certainly just done by age. You know, the, we have a compatacoda, a values survey, an hour-long interview. So uh, there are a range of things that it's, we consider. It's not like maths, is it? No. I love maths. No. <laughs> I love that show. Definitely not. <laughs> this is the panel. It's coming up to quarter to five. The design and accessibility of New Zealand government websites is lagging behind other countries. In fact, a new report shows New Zealand has gone backwards. The New Zealand websites being measured include MyIRD, MyMSD and RealMe. They all work in parallel. There is no one website for all government services. To talk about why this measurement is a problem and who is most significantly affected, Dr Chandra Harrison, a digital accessibility expert from G3ICT. Kia ora, Chandra. Kia ora, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Thanks for, thanks for joining us this afternoon. So New Zealand government agencies lagging behind with digital accessibility. Seems like a no-brainer mm. that this would be a priority. Uh, well, yes, it is a no-brainer that it's a priority, but um, I sort of think that this particular report is, is saying that New Zealand government is lagging behind um, Australia. And one of the big things that we need to be really aware of is, is that in Australia, there is actually legislation that encourages government departments to have accessible websites, and we do not have that legislation here in New Zealand. So how inaccessible are our government agencies? What's the problem exactly when people try to reach them online? That's a really good question. Um, I think that the thing is, is is that we've got to think that accessibility and digital accessibility that has been mentioned in this report covers everything from somebody who is blind and uses a screen reader to access their website. So instead of seeing the website, they hear um, everything read out to them. Um, to people who might have uh, neurodiversity or um, not be fluent in English, so there's a there's a language problem. Now the the the, the review that they've done uh, covers off some international guidelines, which means that uh, we know that there are a variety of different problems, such as people who use screen readers not being able to access government websites or any website, to be honest. Um, we know that uh, people who have cognitive issues can have problems processing the information. Uh, we know that people who um, uh, have English as a second language, they're not understanding the information either. So there's loads and loads of different parts of it that cause the problems. Um, but you mentioned, you know, n- no single point of entry. I think that the, the bigger issue is, is that... Um, 
each of those government departments is trying to address all of the accessibility issues uh, and are just not quite reaching the mark. Chandra, mm. just looking at it, the, yeah. the digital equity scores seems to be the ones where New Zealand is highest and has got the the biggest increase from the 2022 survey or um, report. What actually, what is digital equity? What does that mean? So it's a little bit more around, that's not necessarily um, about being able to use the website. It's more around, have we improved our um, infrastructure to provide uh, access uh, internet to all of the country and the government definitely has actually tried to increase the equity by providing um, you know, access to some government websites for free. Right. You don't yep. have to pay for the internet. Um, they are also trying to encourage um, more websites, um, uh, sorry, more devices uh, to be gifted into schools and so on to increase the ability for people to get online, and that digital equity is great. Yeah. Um, you know, New Zealand we did a we did a fabulous job post COVID to improve the infrastructure, and that's great. But what we also have to do is, even if we give everybody access to the internet and we give them devices, if they can't get onto that website or if they can't use that website because of their disability or their access needs then even if we've got a great equity score, people still can't get access to that information or still can't do the things that they need to <laughs> online. Yeah, and Dr Harris, uh, um, I'd suggest, like, oh, you know, English is my first language. I'm not blind and I'm not, to the best of my knowledge, neurodivergent. Um, but I've been recently trying to use a government website um, regarding a food safety plan, MPI, and yep. I have... Like it took like three days, you know. I'm not, I'm, you know. It's like, did you switch they, it on? I, I, I nearly <laughs> threw it through the window. Is what I needed. Mean. So it was like, and in the end, I actually, you know, rang the verifier that yeah. we meant to use to to go, and she said, "It's awful. We have this problem all the time, and it's things like, yeah. you know, forms you have to fill out are in PDF formats, which you have to fill out three of the pages, but it's 145 pages long, mm-hmm. and you, you know, like the whole thing just feels like. It felt archaic, so I don't mean you know we talk about accessibility. I don't think it's just around the physical. It's you know it's no. around. It's actually around like you know it felt like we're just not keeping up with keeping up with the Joneses, as it were. Absolutely, and I think you know to your point about PDF forms. I mean, PDFs were created in the nineties yeah. to to avoid people you know making changes to a document. Well, hello, we're in twenty twenty four, and I don't know about you, but I've definitely changed PDF documents before. So I think you're right. I think that digital, um, the, the whole way that we think about uh, forms and uh, getting onto uh, government websites and proving who we are. And, you know, signatures, uh, digital signatures, it's a real issue for a lot of people, um, not only um, uh, people with disabilities, but anybody who doesn't drive a car, how are they proving who they are? Or, Mm. um, you know, somebody who's blind, how do they sign a form? There's so many parts of this. I think one of the problems is the signatures. Your signature has to be exactly the same as the signature on your Mm. proof of identity. So it's like your driver's license or your passport. I mean, you know, when you signed your passport 10 years ago, Mm. it's hard online to do it exactly the same. And and it gets rejected. 
I've just got a text in here. I am a public servant and have to require my clients to use real me. It's a great idea, but people find it so hard to use. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd agree. Yeah. yeah, that includes me. I find real me hard to use. Mm. It's as if I've yeah. never used it before, but we've actually had that platform for a while. So who writes yeah. their passwords down, which well, is you're not allowed to do that, right? It, all of it what? becomes impossible. But just to finish, Chandra, because, of course, we yep. could talk about this for mm. a while. Uh-oh. What yes, needs to happen? Um, so I think, um, you know, this, this conversation is, is definitely a good way to start. Um, Martin, you mentioned about all of those forms and, and, and so on. I think what we need to do is raise awareness about the fact that usability and accessibility of the digital platforms, whether they're government or others, can, it needs, needs to happen. We need to be having the conversation, mm. this website sucks. Please, can you fix it? Um, you know, contact an expert and get them to help you. Uh, oh, I, to I, I might have said that in my email to MPI, yes. Or, <laughs> well, the words are sounding familiar. <laughs> slightly stronger <laughs> language than what you're suggesting, Dr Harrison, but what, yeah. What, what I would say to you is, is, is that everybody out there who has a problem, yeah. whether it is a usability issue or an accessibility issue, send the company or the government agency an email and tell them what your problem is. They won't um, invest those resources unless they know that there are problems out there. So, yeah, I I just say, you know, raise awareness and just tell them that there's a problem so they can get it fixed. Mm -hmm. Because they're not using the site, right? Exactly. No, but they should be regularly, though, running Mm. consumer tests and just make sure it's easy. So I love that, and we do certainly work with a lot of government organisations to do those to do that testing. Um, I know that we could talk on this for hours, but um, I just recently we worked with um, Customs on their new um, New Zealand Traveller Declaration, you know, the landing card. When you fly into New Zealand, you've got to fill in the card. Well, now you can do it online. Yeah, I know. And the thing that I loved most about that piece of work was that they were willing to invest the time and the effort to actually do those um, usability testing with people who have disabilities to provide feedback to try and make that form as accessible as it could be. Great news. It can be done. Yeah, it can be done. Thank you so much. That's Dr Chandra Harrison, digital accessibility expert from G3ICT. Well, to finish our program today... How about this? The Timaru maize crop is being turned into a maze of terror to raise money for the local school. That's Barton Rural School. Hmm, how do you pick a path? Let's talk to the designer, <laughs> civil engineer, Paul Jackson. <laughs> Paul, are you there? Help us out. You're a civil yeah. engineer. How have you been able to design the maze? Uh, hi, everyone. Um, yeah, well, it sort of fits in well with my work. We... Um we use aerial photos and CAD program, and we um, figure out with the owner where we want to put the start and the finish, and then we just um, work out sort of a maze path through the through the corn. Have you done it all, before? All Are you experienced? Is, oh, we're about four to five years now of doing this. And yeah, you modify each year? Yep, yeah, so we get two years out of each paddock. So... Um, yeah, so we have to do a new one every year. It's quite good. So, Paul, I'm just terribly concerned. It's not GE maze, is it? Because, I mean, you know, you'd be at risk of coming out the end of it with three heads. <laughs> uh, well, 
we've got a guy running around with a chainsaw, so I'm sure we could fix fix the three-letter problem. Yeah, if you glue, especially if you get stuck in there, it's part of the horror show of the fundraiser. How many people are you expecting through? What have past years um, brought you? Uh, we usually get uh, fifteen hundred to two thousand people through each year. Yeah, it's it's a really good fundraiser for the school. Fifteen hundred go in, but only thirteen come out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we leave a few in there. Yeah, this has got shades of like Children of the Corn all over it. You know, Stephen King couldn't have written this himself, really. Uh, you know, have a great time. The, the scarers, um, they should pay more. The scarier it is, <laughs> they get paid to be scared. Yeah. How much money yeah. do you raise, Paul, with the maze? Um, I think in previous years it's sort of been five to six thousand dollars, which all goes to the to the homeschool committee, and they spend it on things for around the school, the extra things that the, the kids need. Any yeah. tips since you designed the maze? Any tips for getting through fast? Are you, is there a prize for the fastest person through, or out of the thirteen, everyone's a winner, right, Martin? <laughs> yeah. As long as you get out, you're yeah. a winner. If you yeah. just want to go. Uh, I think if you get out alive, it says, "Are you winning?" You know? yeah. That's the one. Um, any tips? Uh, no, I wouldn't want to give away too much. Yeah, I like people getting lost in them, and um, yeah, there's lots of dead ends and things. So, so you, you don't pun intended, of um, course. <laughs> you don't drop yeah. breadcrumbs on the ground or, you know, take yeah. little bits of red tape and, you know, do you have people trying to work out how to work it out? Um, I'm not sure, um, but good luck to them because uh, it's uh, sort of just a random line on a plane that, I've, that I'm doing, so I don't think there's too much of a, too much science behind it. You wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't, you wouldn't be gluten-free on this, would you? That's it, and just wear gloves, obviously, if you are. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure it's a great time, but my word. Yeah, and meanwhile, just a final question Who does the scaring? Um, Just parents from the school. (laughs) Headmaster. Anyone who walks in there, I'll get a fright or two, I'm sure. A fright or two. Anybody in this cornfield that rips up a chainsaw behind me, I'm probably going (laughs) to. You know, I'll probably punch them first and then run. You know, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> That's it. Can you just run through the maze? <laughs> like you don't have chainsaw. to follow the path. <laughs> right. yeah, you can try, but you'll probably run around in circles. Um, so, yeah, the, the idea is to find a few things that are in the paddock. And um, if you can find all three, then you're doing pretty well. Oh, yeah. good on you. Look, all the best for the mm, fundraiser this weekend. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks very well much. Done. No, Paul, appreciate it. Thank Paul you. Jackson there, and that's Timaru uh, Barton Rural School with their, now what are they calling it? An amazing maze and maze. I know, right? Amazing <laughs> maze fundraiser. Well, that's been fun. That pretty much brings us to the end of our panel. We've got a text here. Quinoa salad can make an advance. Chuck anything in there you have lying around, and you can pretend you're super healthy. That's from Linda and Paikakariki. Thank you, Linda. Nice touch. Well, a little bit of quinoa goes a very long way. Long, <laughs> I did long <laughs> way. You're not a fan of quinoa, Martin? Oh, what they call it? Ancient grains. I think is what they call it. <laughs> Amaranth quinoa, ancient grains. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great, but yeah. All right, they're tasty, but nutty. Tasty, nutty, great company, yeah. both of you. Cindy and Martin, thank you very thank much. You. Checkpoint is See you, next. Martin. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. 
Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.